Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 20 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to share and uh, subscribe our show. And if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Today, I am joined with my good friend, the good brother, Jeremy Lambert. How are you, Jeremy? Oh, I am doing well, actually. I'm not going to complain about lack of sleep or anything like that. I'm doing well on a Friday. It's a Friday. How can I not be doing well? That is fantastic. And I saw on Twitter you mentioned the other day you... You've been watching 90210. I'm very happy to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed a new show to watch at night while I'm in the office and, and working on one of the five different gigs that I have. Um, and I, I just finished up the OC for younger kids out there. And I was like, I need another high school teen drama to kind of watch because that's the stuff that I like. Don't judge me. I was like, 90210 has like, eight, nine, ten seasons, that'll keep me busy for a while. And I, the whole series is on Hulu. So it's like, yep, this is what I'm choosing. Fantastic. Where are you at in the run so far? Uh, I'm literally only four, five, maybe six episodes in. Um, what's his name? His girlfriend came back from Minnesota and, you know, ah. they slept together. So, yeah, it's it's very, very early in in my in my run here so i've got a long ways to go that's okay though that is good that that is a that's what i do a lot too i find shows like that and i uh i it's always background noise for when i'm writing and stuff and it's a uh, it's very underrated because like you know it's, a lot of people don't think about that i always like doing that the worst thing i fell into recently has been a fucking lifetime has been airing like eight million episodes of celebrity wife swap and that show is just so stupid and addicting <laughs> that I just I pop it on the background and it's like it's like such staged bullshit because they, they oh this person is a neat freak and a germaphobe they're gonna send them to somebody's house that doesn't clean and has eighteen cats but I'm like it's still wildly entertaining and stupid the worst thing that started it was is they the first one I caught like a couple nights ago was they were showing the uh, the Roddy Piper Ric Flair one. Yeah, I saw you tweet about that. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I ended up watching that. And that one was just fascinating because it's like, you know, Ric Flair obviously still being Ric Flair. And then, like, Piper is like, he's like a normal dude living in the mountains with his family. So when they do the swap, like, his wife is like giving Ric Flair the, the save your money kid speech. You know, it's like, it's amazing, <laughs> you know, it's uh, that, yeah. that's the guy to to give the save your money speech roddy piper I, it, well in fairness he probably saved his money better than flair yeah but it was just so funny but uh yeah i've been watching that and then i've been yeah i've been doing the 90210 rewatch again i mean i'm in the glory of season five with tiffany amber Thiessen's arrival yeah i saw you tweet about that as well and i'm very excited to get to that point because i was a huge 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 sid by the bell fan if i could ever find reruns that are on constantly i'd still watch it to this day one of my favorite shows of all time so i'm excited to to see old kelly kapowski on the show yeah that was one of those funny things because i really liked her on that show and then she came on 902 and i was like hey now i was like hello 
but yeah, yeah, it was just amazing. So <clears throat> a good time, uh, you know, watching well, the stuff since. Yeah, since I am on this podcast every week, now everyone can look forward to my weekly 90210 binge-watching updates. That's right. And that's good. The people need to know we're watching besides wrestling. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels like that's all we watch. But we do have other things that we enjoy besides wrestling. Because according to a lot of commenters, we don't enjoy wrestling at all. Uh, yeah, I always love that one. <laughs> But uh, we will start off today, Jeremy. The uh, the big news finally broke this week, as expected. AEW All Elite Wrestling has scored their TV deal. It was announced on uh, Wednesday that later this year, Warner Media will provide exclusive multi-platform access for fans to watch AEW events airing live weekly matches on TNT in primetime, as well as streaming them through Warner Brothers. Uh, uh, Bleacher Report Live, and on pay-per-view. A leading digital sports enterprise, BR Live's uh, high fan engagement will provide an invaluable opportunity to build AEW's audience. Now, one of the things with AEW, Jeremy, is we've we've talked lightly about it, but we haven't gone deep dive into it because we really couldn't. There's a roster of some guys we know and like. There was speculation, but now we actually have something that's real to talk about outside of like the pay-per-view they actually have tv so your initial reaction to the tv deal they allegedly have tv um <laughs> one thing that struck me with the whole press release is there was no start date announced there was no time slot day of the week anything like that announced which it, first off, it's great that they're going to be on TNT. I, I think the, the Bleacher Report live streaming aspect, the multi-platform aspect of all of this is going to be not quite as big as being on TV, but just as big because they're a very internet-heavy company. Like, I mean, they got to this point, thanks in large part, to the success of, of being the elite. You know, without that show does AEW even exist? And I, I'm not sure it does. So they're, they, they've done a lot with their social media and with how they've used YouTube and Twitter and all these other ways you can stream events and whatnot. Uh, so I think the the Bleacher Report live aspect is, is going to be a, a big deal for them to where they're going to be able to stream stuff. Maybe being the elite goes on there now. Like, I, I don't know how... All that stuff is going to work. I'd imagine it stays on YouTube, but who knows? They can do different stuff with the the multi-platform aspect of it. The TNT deal is great. I mean, it's it's wrestling again on TNT. It's a top promotion. I mean, they're the number two promotion in America right now. They haven't even officially run a show until next weekend, and but they're number two. So they're on TNT. I just was very curious that they didn't announce a start date or a time slot because that's kind of important. We want to know if you're going to make this announcement, we want to know when the startup is. We want to know what day of the week you're going to be on. And I guess they're still figuring that out, which is a little bit worrisome, but they seem to have everything else in place and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a big issue. I know I, just knowing the TNT schedule, being a basketball fan, like Thursdays are off limits. Tuesdays, which everyone, when they trademark Tuesday Night Dynamite and when SmackDown's going to move to 
to Fox on Fridays in the fall. Everyone's like, oh, well, they're going to take the Tuesday spots. And I was very hesitant on that because basketball is on TNT on Tuesdays for the at least uh, half the NBA season is uh, TNT's running games on Tuesdays uh, throughout the second half of the season, sometimes during the first half as well, and then into the playoffs. So either you get preempted on those nights or you get moved to another day on those nights or you just you don't run at all. I don't know how it was going to work. So Tuesdays, I was always, if they're going to be on TNT, they're going to have to figure it out with the NBA. Wednesday would seem to make a lot of sense right now. Again, Thursday's off the table. You don't want it because of basketball. You don't want to do Fridays. Mondays, I don't know if you want to jump into a head-to-head thing with WWE right away because you're, you're losing that battle. And we saw with Impact, if you jump in there right away and you immediately get smoked, you just have that stain on you. And then I it's tough to recover from that. So it feels like Wednesday is going to make the most sense. But again, it'd be nice if they let us know this stuff. Yeah, and for some reason... I th- People were, it's one of those negative things that came out with the deal announcement. And I think a lot of that too is just, um, you know, I wrote a column about it. And I think, I think if you went into this with realistic expectations that the deal is a huge win. Um, yeah, it is. I, I'm a little upset that they didn't come out and announce a day. I think that would have been for the best because then you would have had like the full buzz machine going for that. And like you said, um, Thursday is off limits because of basketball. Tuesday is likely off limits unless they're going to do the thing like they did back in the day on TBS with like uh, Saturday night where they'd air like an hour of it before like the baseball game and stuff like that and then do regular schedule when there's no basketball. But I'd rather them not do that. It seems like Wednesday's a safe landing point. Uh, I'd stay away from Friday. I'd stay away from Monday. You know, no need to rush into any kind of competition. And I wrote about that, too, because the thing is, is you can't be concerned about everybody else. You have to be concerned about you. One of the biggest problems TNA made throughout the years was not having their own identity, not having a long-term plan, not sticking to building certain stars, and then talking about WWE. And people were like, well, that was the best part of the Monday Night Wars. No, it really wasn't. Because you know how many times I wanted to throw something through the TV because I was sick of hearing, back in New York, I never got a shot. Or back when I was up north, I never got the chance. Or then they would just start, WCW just started saying, you know, Vince Russo used to work for WWE and was the brainchild of the Attitude Era. It's like, now you're just saying the name. It's like, no. Don't focus on yourself. If you put out a good product and you start getting, you know, you have fan loyalty and you start building an audience, then you talk about it later. Don't even think about it later. I don't understand why some people would want that. And it was the same thing with Impact when they were going to Monday night because for the longest time there was a, a school of thought of, well, there's so many people that missed the Monday Night Wars that Impact could probably jump the Mondays and do two million viewers with no problem. And then they jumped the Monday Night and that didn't happen. So it's like, why would you want another promotion that is just starting to jump into something like that when you've seen the damage 
could have did the TNA back in the day. So, yeah, um, I think Wednesday would be there. And then the other thing is, you know, these people taking this weird victory lap because, oh, look, they're not getting rights fees. I thought they were getting rights fees. And to me, that was the irresponsibility and the poor job done by wrestling media. And the wrestling media, I'm talking about the people that quote-unquote report the news, break the news. Because everybody was talking about how, oh, this could be a deal where Barry Van Wendell was on Skype, and, you know, the biggest in studies of ever. And they were throwing out all these really, really big, grandiose ideas. And then nobody was taken into consideration, which is why I keep telling people to be, it's okay to be optimistic, but be cautiously optimistic. Not taking into account that this is a stable company with no track record, no major star power, looking for a deal. And then you look at like MLW, who's had bad scores with the Warriors and the other SS to the commercial people watch the show. You have Impact, who has the capability of pursuit, and with the other reports, so people like they can save, Rollins can save. And then Orange, which has some fun syndication, which is great for some current engine, but the syndication is so damn sketchy that you don't know when you're going to see the show that's true. So they have to rely on Orange. So the fact that Orange and this one with no track record, and then no major stars, and you have all the Danny Christian guys in Washington who are really they went in, they got a TV deal, and they made him know that that's almost always available, almost 99 deep hours in the world. And I'm going to get production costs. And depending on the production costs, which is going to be four times a that means that they're going to make they're going to in 20 to 25 million dollars to make their show. Nobody else is getting this from WWE who's not going to be in there with you. And that's also a third factor. Look how long it took WWE to even get a big TV deal. Which, the initial big TV deal with USA was like 500 a year. Which means they were probably broken even in that time. It was the fact that they were getting TV rights, which they parlayed into the TNA deal, which is about 25 a year. So then they started going up and up since then. And now we have to talk about five years, five more years in the company's history with millions of people driving. And billions of dollars for the TV program. Which again, no offense, it's not really good. It's not like they've heard in Washington, Austin, or Washington anymore. But they have such a broken track record. And when they say this, no one cares anymore. And Fox decided that they wanted to go out to just a big fucking part of the They definitely like the the Monday Night War thing is so stupid. It's just you don't need to recreate that. AEW is being very smart. I know, like Chris Jericho said, like it's a war. Cody is kind of hinted, like yeah, we want to go after him, 
the the Bucks and Omega are a little bit smarter and just being like, we're just going to present an alternative and the fans can choose. Like, we're not going to just directly try to compete with them. These guys aren't stupid. Like, you don't get to this position from where they were a year ago. Like, think about where this group was a year ago and where they are now. They There was not even an inkling of, hey, we're going to start our own promotion. And now they're on TNT starting this fall. Um, They're not dumb. They know that they don't need to go head-to-head with WWE right away. Carve out your own path. Do your own thing. And even if they did go head-to-head with WWE right away, I think they would be smart enough not to be like, hey, I used to work here. I was so... Like, they didn't give me this push or whatever. Like, they've beat that horse to death. Even on being the elite, they've sort of... They haven't run it into the ground, but they make the jokes about it and everything. And they, but it's very, it's smooth. It doesn't come across as bitter or anything. It's just, it's part of their kind of canon. So it works. Uh, you don't need to do that every week on television because, as you said, that's what Impact tried to do. Impact was so obsessed with just competing with WWE that now they're on the fucking pursuit channel. Um, the rights fee stuff is, yeah, I think people overestimated and took someone. I mean, we, we know it's Meltzer, but he was being very championing this deal. And so people got high expectations with it. And when it was like, oh, rights fees aren't part of it, people were like, oh, this deal is a failure. I don't give a shit about that stuff. They're they're going to make money regardless. Um, I'm going to watch it regardless. I don't care if WWE is making a billion dollars off of their rights fees. Just just give me a good product. That's you know That money's not coming into my pockets. I don't give a shit how much you make out of this deal or if you're paying to be on TV. What, whatever it is, you're on television, just give me a good product. Um, I, I really think people get too caught up in the financial stuff like that. Like I, I do this all the time with, with basketball and with hockey, uh, you know, really any sport, your favorite team pays for this certain player and maybe they overpay for them and, and whatever. Like, I, I don't care. It's not my money. Just, just give me good players. Get me good players on the court or the ice or the field. That's, that's all I care about. I don't, I don't care how much you're paying them. You can pay them 5 million more than he should make. You can pay them 10 million more than he should make. You can pay him 5 million less than he should make. I don't give a shit. It's not my money. I'm not paying him anything. Just, I want to see a good team. I want my team to succeed with same thing with AEW. I don't care if they're paying. I don't care if they're getting paid. Just give me a good product. The pay-per-view thing is one thing that I understand why they have to do it um, because they don't have a streaming platform. And maybe if they get off of pay-per-view providers, they do more with Bleacher Report Live. They can set um, they can set a better price. Fifty bucks for a pay-per-view nowadays. It's a tough ask when you know fifty bucks is getting you. ROH, WWE, New Japan, and fucking high spots or any other impact. Like, and granted, impact you still have to pay for their pay per views as well. But you can you can get so much wrestling for fifty dollars, and they're asking you for one show. Uh, it's it's a tough sell. Double or nothing will probably do very well, 
just because it's it's the first show and you know you can expect surprises they're doing matches that people have seen before but maybe not everyone has seen these matches you know in the united states and um you know they're still good matches they're they're still intrigued in these matches they they've built them up well the storyline leading into them has been good after double or nothing though it's going to be an uphill battle with this stuff because everyone expects them to just come out firing for double or nothing um you know they tease plenty of surprises is is ambrose gonna show up is cm punk gonna show up he's probably not because he's working an mma thing that night but you know is this guy or that kind of guy gonna show up so you have that intrigue there you, you get into fight for the fallen and fighter fest and this other stuff and once you're doing these monthly events, like you can't just come out with a huge surprise at every single event. Um, if you can, great. Um, but they talked about we want the roster to be at this. You can't just keep bringing in guys every single month of, hey, this is a big surprise. Now he's part of the company. And then your roster starts to get over overrun with, you know, these XWB guys, which they don't want. So that's the toughest part of this for me is the pay-per-view stuff. We'll see how it goes. Again, this this company, they're not going under or anything like that. They're going to have plenty of time to build. I would not freak out over viewership numbers whenever they come out. I would not freak out over pay-per-view numbers whenever they come out uh, to, to start with. And I wouldn't even put, like, if the double or nothing numbers are good, I wouldn't even be like, oh, well, they're look out WWE because they did this one show that did really well. Like sustaining is a huge, huge thing in wrestling. We we've seen how much momentum wrestling has lost, not just the last 20 years, but just the last year, like a million viewers have gone by the wayside in, in WWE from this point last year to, to right now. And, you know, that's a million people that just decided I'm not watching this product anymore. And yeah, part of it is the product isn't very good right now uh, and hasn't been for the last year outside of, you know, certain things, but it don't put too much stock into this stuff that truthfully doesn't affect you. Like that, that's how I look at it. Like, I don't care what the ratings are. WWE is not going under. I don't care what the buy rates are for double or nothing. AEW is not going under, at least not anytime soon. Like they're going to have at least a year to establish themselves. So enjoy it for a year. Just if in a year it's not doing well and things are falling and it just, it doesn't look like it's a worthwhile investment, then yeah, then it might be time to start worrying. But for right, but shit, TNA has lasted 17 years and we were supposed to be worried about them after year one as well. Just hope for a good product. That's what I want. I want a good product because I watch too much wrestling and there's too much good wrestling out there. And there's also a lot of shitty wrestling out there. And for this to for them to have this kind of platform that no other company except for WWE has, you should just want a good product out of this. Yeah, and for those of you that might not understand exactly what we're talking about with the pay-per-view stuff, the thing is, is they have signed deals with all the major pay-per-view providers like On Demand and DirecTV and stuff, and the pay-per-view price is locked in at $49.95, which uh, basically, th usually through the deal with that, and the, the providers did this because of the WWE Network, 
when WWE started the network, they got undercut because the network was only $9.99. So basically the new deals and stuff like this for AEW have a clause in it that if you go online, especially, you know, so they're doing the Bleacher Report live stuff as part of the new deal, you can't undercut them. You can't sell the pay-per-view for $20 and kind of screw the cable company. So that's why it's priced that way. It's a cable. It's basically a cable industry set thing and they can't undercut it. And it sucks. That like, like Jeremy said, I, I, I hate it myself. I don't like it. I think it may be a barrier of entry for some people because like you said, $50 is a big ask. You could get the WWE network. You could subscribe to ROH's uh, honor club. You can get New Japan World, and then you can add on like high spots or progress or impact plus or whatever. You can get five services for that per month. And you know, there are people that you know are not cool with spending that much money on stuff. We talked about it with the last impact pay-per-view. It's like they've been putting on really good pay-per-views, but it's 2019 and you're asking 40 bucks. And that's a hard ask for some people in this age where Hulu is under 10 bucks and Netflix is whatever the fuck Netflix is now. I don't remember what the hell Netflix is. Netflix oh, is still, if you got grandfathered in, it's still like $8.99 or something. Okay, I think, yeah. I think they've boosted the prices since then, but if you've had a subscription for a long time, I know like we we've had our subscription for years now and our price has never gone up. So we're still paying $8.99. Please no one alert Netflix if our subscription price was supposed to go up. Don't be a snitch. <laughs> yeah, man. We don't need no stitches, snitches around here. That's, that's bullshit. But anyway, yeah, it's like, you, you know, we're in this age to where you can get so much for so little. And that's not a bad thing. But like, yeah, when you're coming out fire and it's like, I think Double or Nothing looks like a great show. But again, you're asking 50 bucks. So, and you're going to have some people there that are going to be like, I want to support this because they're like you, Jeremy. They just want good wrestling. And they think it looks good. And then, I, like I said, I think for others, it might be a barrier of entry because it's kind of a big ask show one. You know, they're not on TV right now. And not everybody knows what being the elite is. And not everybody knows that. You know, Kenny Omega was this big star in Japan and stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, here's the other thing I would mention on that is and why I would not put too much stock into the these buy rates and whatnot. As I said, the elite fans are very online heavy fans. I'm not condoning piracy. There will be ways to watch this event without having to pay $50. More people than however many people buy it are going to end up watching it. It's going to be tough for, and and then the hardcore supporters will obviously support it. I, I think the newer fans who maybe don't have a good streaming service or or don't have a good internet connection, that's where it's going to be tougher for because they're not going to try to pirate this event and you know they're not going to pay fifty dollars to to watch this event um they're gonna i again i would imagine that whatever the buy rate is significantly more people are going to end up watching this thing people talk about oh being the elite does three hundred thousand views i think the latest road to double or nothing did like eight hundred thousand views and then people have now set like unrealistic expectations for 
how much they're going to to do as far as buy rates or how much they're going to do as far as television ratings don't put stock into how many youtube streams something does because some people watch that shit twice three four times those videos are literally like the road to double or nothing videos are like six minutes long like people have attention spans of, of six minutes less people have attention spans of of two hours even if it's something really good uh you know wwe gets millions of views on their youtube pages and they're barely cracking two million views on uh, on television so you know dean ambrose did dean ambrose's short little video did more viewers than than the recent episode of, of smackdown and it's like, oh, well, Dean Ambrose is this huge star. Don't put stock into these YouTube numbers or these social media numbers. Somebody pointed out that like the uh, the TNT video is literally a 10-second clip with the, the flames going up behind the, the AEW logo. Somebody's like, oh, this has 2 million views in 24 hours. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? It's a 10-second video. I, I probably watched it like three times. So yeah, there's three people probably watch it a bunch. It's literally 10 seconds. Like that contributes to each view. Don't put stock into kind of these social media numbers and use it to predict what they're actually going to do on television pay-per-view. Put stock into that's how many people have online access to and are interested in watching this and will somehow find a way to watch it even if they're not watching it legally. Yeah, and that's... I, I think there's all these, like, junior detectives out there that they want to look at these numbers and try to, like, extrapolate some kind of fucking formula to create a buy rate or a rating and it's just you can't do it i mean I'm, online numbers and social media stuff is good okay it's nice uh, it shows that people are watching your shit and all that but like you said like there are wwe videos that have done like five or six million views there's not five or six million people watching raw or smackdown it's just it doesn't always correlate to the same thing so yeah it's um I mean, it's great that they have an online presence. Like you said, they have a loyal online audience and everything. We just have to see what it does. And like, ever, like I don't know, I, I'd like to say like smart wrestling fans, I'm hoping for the best. I want alternatives. I, I, I'm not even necessarily saying competition. I just want other shit that's good to watch. I mean, there's a reason why I wake up at 5 in the morning to watch New Japan. I personally enjoy it a lot. It makes me happy. I like a lot of the wrestlers in the wrestling. You know, it's like there's nothing wrong with them. There are still people that like Raw every Monday for some reason. Like, to me, that's baffling. But, <laughs> but again, that's personal taste, though. And I'm fine with that if you like Raw or SmackDown. I mean, SmackDown, I think, is pretty good most weeks. But, um, yeah, it's like, that's fine, though. It's like, this isn't like a big fucking fan war, man. Like what you like. And like I said, I just... I think that AEW, and I, again, I wrote about it and talked about it. AEW getting success is good for the business. It's another company on a major cable network. It's causing, it's giving jobs to other people, and it's causing WWE to pay more, which I think we can all agree that a lot of wrestlers do deserve more pay. They're trying to get people to stay, so guys that wouldn't have got pay raises in the past are getting pay raises to stay. I think these are all good things. I want more alternatives. I want good things to watch. So I hope it all works out well. And 
I, I, I believe probably in the next month or so we'll find out when they're going to air. I do think you're right, Jeremy. I think it probably will end up being Wednesday. It seems like it seems like the safest choice with all the basketball they run on there. And, I, I uh, like Wednesday as well because yeah. I don't know what time slot they're going to be, if it's going to be 8 to 10 or 9 to 11. You've got NXT. I mean, you can go – if NXT gets moved to Fox Sports 1, then that creates a, a whole – different thing but people are sort of around on wednesdays to to watch nxt if you're right after nxt that's a nice like nxt is a great one hour show that's a nice hopefully three hour block i'm not going to say aew is going to be great every week and already say that hey this is going to be the best show on on television because we haven't seen it on television but theoretically you have a really strong three-hour block right there of different kind of wrestling that that you would see on on wwe for those three hours every monday night um and then if it's head-to-head with nxt at least the the first hour then you know fine you can you don't have to watch nxt live it's going to be on the network literally right after the the show is over and if you want to watch both like one will be on a computer one will be on a tv however you watch it and whatnot like wednesday feels like a good night and it's one of the nights where again they don't have to worry about being preempted by basketball when when the basketball season is on yeah and uh, that also reminds me about uh, just we're talking about like drawing and numbers and viewers and stuff. And like one thing I said too, and my thing is we've seen that they can sell live event tickets. You know, they sold out all in, they sold out double or nothing. These guys were a big part of the G1 Supercard selling out in advance because everybody assumed that like Jericho, Omega, and the Bucks were going to be there. And so that is awesome. But now the next stage of the business move is, can they sell, you know, I would hope that they're going to be smart and run four to 5,000 seat venues for TV and not try to run like big ass arenas every week to where they have to tarp off and creatively shoot camera angles and stuff. But now we're going to find out is if, can they do that on a weekly basis, sell tickets and you said, you know, they do have a loyal audience, so we'll see what happens. But, like, all-in, double-or-nothing G1 Supercard, those succeeded partly due to the fact that they were billed as marquee events and they became flying events. So you're not, you don't have people that are going to fly in every week for TV. So you got to see, can they sell tickets every week and can they build a TV audience? Because they do, like we said, they do a lot of great stuff online. But again, how is that going to translate to a weekly TV show? So that yeah, there are still a lot of lot of questions to be answered. But uh, cautiously optimistic, Jeremy, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic as well. I would be more excited when I know what day of the week this thing is going to be airing on, so I can plan my fall accordingly. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm I'm excited as well. You're right about the whole ticket selling thing because. All in, you can get people to travel. G1 Supercard, people are there already because it's WrestleMania weekend. Double or nothing, you can get people to travel to Vegas. Like these are destination events. You're going to have like I saw somebody post about the the fight for the fallen tickets. Um, 
yesterday and like tickets were fine but there were still plenty left uh i don't know if that's officially sold out yet like i haven't heard that this show has has sold out um you know fighter fest is a like it's in conjunction with a gaming festival so maybe that i don't know how that whole setup is going to work i know like omega's whole deal last year didn't do too well and like he had new japan guys on it but it wasn't officially like a new japan show uh this year will be better branded because you know it's an AEW show they're gonna run something in august i don't know what they're gonna do in august september will be uh all in too like that'll probably do well the the tv tapings or, or live events those are gonna be a little bit tougher especially if you're gonna travel because you don't know like fans aren't going to travel just for a television live event um especially when it's going to be on television every single week so you don't know and i don't know what kind of building they're going to run you can't run like mgm grand or the sears center for a weekly television show and expect to do well the first show i'm sure will do great after that it's going to be a question mark so this is why again don't put too much stock into oh they sold out this building for for this event oh they they're doing this and that they're going to have a year like things are going to be great to start probably because it's new it's exciting it's fresh and then they're going to tail off because then it, it not to say it's going to get repetitive but once you see it you kind of you get it you understand what's going on it just the freshness of it wears off you know what i mean like you get a new toy you want to play with it for a little while and then the next great new toy comes out i'm not saying another great new toy is going to come out but there will be something else that'll that'll catch your intrigue or you'll just realize hey i don't have to watch this live i can watch it later on or or whatnot it'll start to dwindle a little bit it's about keeping that base and keeping kind of that core and just proving at this time next year and really even later into next year since give them at least a year on television that there is an audience that will stick around for this if they build now if the ratings go up if the viewership goes up if the buy rates improve if they keep selling out everything that's even better news i just would not freak out over things starting hot and then dropping or things because i mean that's already happened like the the next couple of shows have already stopped selling as well as double or nothing did and i would not freak out when the when things actually do drop just let's see how it plays out as the old saying goes yeah really so that is the uh, aew tv deal discussion for right now and uh, as we learn more we will talk about it more but uh that's what we know right now so we will move on, Jeremy. We already previewed uh, WWE Money in the Bag earlier this week, but uh, there are some slight changes to the card, and we'll go ahead and talk about them now. First of all, they have added SmackDown Tag Team Champions Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos to the kickoff show. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think this is um, a title match, which I guess makes sense. Like, the Usos lost, and then... They lost the to Shane McMahon on fucking Tuesday, so why why should they get? Uh, I I know it was a handicap match, but still, one of the Usos ate that pinfall. Why should they get a title match? The fact that it's not a title match makes me believe that the Usos are gonna win, which would be really stupid because then they should get a title match, but they're on a different brand. But there's a wild card rule, so I guess they can show up once. My this this whole thing is 
dumb. Like build your SmackDown tag teams up. Um, don't you're either you're either having your champions lose a non-title match, which is happening way too often, or you're having Brian and Rowan win, which is great. They should win, but then the Usos are taking a hit, and then I guess they go and embarrass the revival. But if Brian and Rowan are going to win, just put the titles on the line. So at least it makes the titles look important and gives them a successful defense. This this whole match irks me. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a fan of it for the fact that it'll probably be a good match because they had a good match on TV. But yeah, I am. I am already over this stupid wild card bullshit, and uh, it's just so stupid. And it's on top of that, I feel it's so lazy. It's just oh, we're just gonna randomly throw guys on the shows because we, you know, ratings are low, and we're not sure how to do this. And you know, we kind of fucked up the superstar shakeup. Yeah, they re- they really did. I thought they were going to add the revival to this match and I guess shit, we'll record this and then they'll probably add it because you know, the Usos and the Revival have their thing going on. They clearly don't care about the revival. Put the titles on the line. You can have Brian and Rowan beat the revival and so then you're protecting the Usos. The revival gets they can't be buried any further and then the titles get defended. Like it's still stupid. It's still dumb. It's still stupid that you would do this match and you know have smackdown raw whatever and shit survivor series is looking bad it is not the one time of year raw and smackdown go head to head anymore um <laughs> but the, i think that makes more sense it's still dumb at least there's an out there this match just feels i don't know what they're trying to accomplish with it yeah i i don't know it's it, it's very frustrating but yeah so that has been added to the show. On Raw, we found out that uh, they had a match. Sami Zayn, with a little help from his friends, ended up beating Braun Strowman. Samuel Zayn replaces Braun Strowman in the men's Money in the Bank match now. I, I'm fine with this. Like we we both talked about, it. I like I didn't mind Braun in this match. He's a good base. He can catch guys, and people still kind of like him, and he can knock things over and stuff. Sami Zayn is obviously a much better worker. Uh, so putting Sami in this match is is great. And I'm not saying he's going to win. I still think McIntyre is the guy. I feel like there's more stock in Sami winning than there was with Braun because we saw Braun with it last year and it was a failure. And I just don't know if he, he really needs it. Sami, he gets it. And then He's a snarky little heel who now has this briefcase. Like I think it would be a interesting way to to go with that. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it adds more intrigue of who could possibly win because I just feel Sammy would have better odds than than Braun. Sammy with the briefcase with his new douchey character would be spectacular. Um, yeah, I, I doubt it happens myself, but um. Yeah, I think he is a great change to the match. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Braun in Money in the Bank. I think he's kind of limited in what he can do outside of being a base and a few freaky power spots. I'm sure he'll end up getting involved in here to try to get revenge on uh, Corbin and McIntyre and Sammy and stuff. But uh, you had Sammy in there with Andrade and Ali uh, and Ricochet and stuff like that. And that, that makes the match a lot better in my eyes. So I'm looking forward now to the men's money in the bank much more than I was before. 
And then on Monday night, there was also an angle ran where Alexa Bliss, uh, her luggage was lost, so she couldn't wrestle in her match. And that was a big uh, kind of an angle alert there as uh, Nikki Cross ended up taking her place and then won her match that night. And then it came out that Alexa Bliss was not medically cleared for Sunday's pay-per-view. She is reportedly having concussion issues again, which if you've kind of followed her injury status over the last six to eight months is uh, in no way a good thing if it is a concussion again, because it's getting to the point now that I really wonder if they're going to put her back in the ring if it, if it is another concussion. So Nikki Cross is going to replace her in Money in the Bank. And no offense to Alexa, I think that's another positive change to the match. Jeremy, your thoughts? They, I, I don't know if it's a concussion. I saw PW Insider. They speculated that it was a, I mean, they reported that it was a concussion. Meltzer said it's not a big deal. It's just precautionary. Like if it's, if it's not a big deal, that tells me that it isn't a concussion because, um, I mean, with her history, a concussion is a big deal. E- even if even if it wasn't her history, a concussion is a big deal. So I, I don't know who is right on, on this situation and, and more will come out. I don't want to speculate that it that it's a concussion. I don't know what it is. I hope that whatever it is that she is able to return but it doesn't seem like she just I, I don't know she's had a lot of injuries over the years and if it is a concussion then she just shouldn't be in the ring like that that's just too many in, in too short period of time and you know it's only going to get worse so it i i wish the best for alexa bliss she will always have a role on television as some type of manager or authority figure whatever they want her to do whatever she she wants her or tell her host talk show host whatever she wants to do she will be able to do because she's that good on the microphone and they they obviously like her and they put a lot of stock into her i will give them credit that they seemingly knew about this on monday and maybe even before because she hasn't wrestled on the european tour at all despite being there and they at least shot an angle to I mean, I feel like they had to know this on Monday because otherwise you don't shoot this angle to put Nikki Cross in the fatal four way and then have Nikki Cross win if she's not going to be in the match in some aspect. Maybe it was a protection issue of, hey, if we need to do Nikki Cross put replacing Alexa Bliss, then we have this, you know, explanation right here of of how we're going to do it and if not then maybe uh nikki cross would have come in help alexa bliss win who who knows what they would have done if uh, bliss was medically cleared but they at least set this up uh, better than she's just out here's nikki cross who hasn't been on television for really since uh being called up to the main roster. So at least they did a little something to make this all make sense. I feel bad for Alexa Bliss. I hope she is okay because she's, when she is on screen, when like she clearly has a presence, she's very good on the microphone. And she's one of the female superstars who they haven't just completely buried into the ether. Yeah, I don't want to see anybody's career ended prematurely for any reason. I, I would 
I really hope it isn't a concussion issue because, again, I think you're it, that it's a lot in a short period of time, like you said. If it is, and I just that would that would be really horrible because she's she's so damn young and it's like it's like like with Paige. You look at Paige, how I mean that's such a sad situation that you know her whole life was in wrestling and getting to WWE and then the neck issues and all that shit. And it's just, it's horrible to see. I just don't want to see it on happen to anybody, but uh, yeah, I mean, at least that they, they did book a backup, which worked. And I found it funny that Monday night people were like, just burying that Nikki cross. angle. And I'm like, I'm like, why? I'm like, I, cause I was looking at it. I'm thinking that like, you know, she wins the match and then like, Alexa's kind of being her friend afterwards and climbs the ladder while Nikki's all kind of half happy for her. And I'm like, I'm like, they're either setting up Nikki Cross as Alexa's crazy friend that's going to help her win, or they're setting up that she's going to take her out and go in the match on Sunday. So I don't understand why people were so down on that whole thing because either way, it made sense to me. So I thought that they were actually trying to set something up, and as we found out, they did. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually like even then I didn't mind it because let's say Bliss was part of this match, you could spin it and basically say that hey, Bliss is manipulating now a shy Nikki Cross uh, to take her spot in this match, so she doesn't have to wrestle six days before the pay-per-view she can you know save her energy not get hurt whatever however you want to call it and now maybe she can have nikki cross help her like it worked on a lot of different levels and it, it worked in this case because nikki cross actually has a reason to be in this match and has some momentum to be in this match so i i think it was a good job by wwe to to book this angle to shoot this angle because it protected them on many different ways whether bliss was going to be cleared or wh whether she wasn't the bliss character and in this instance the nikki cross character make this angle work the way it does it doesn't work if you know if it's dana brooke and nikki cross replaces her because then it, Dana Brooks character doesn't have that kind of manipulative ways about her. It's just like, all right, Nikki Cross is replacing Dana Brooke. Like, great. But in this case, you could have spun it multiple ways, depending on how things played out. Yeah. So again, yeah, they did it. They did it for as much shit as we will give them. I think that they did a good job there. So we will move on. Jeremy, New Japan Pro Wrestling has started this year's best of super junior tournament. We are officially four nights deep into the tournament. Everything airing live with English commentary on New Japan World. And uh, so we'll start with night one here. Tiger Mask defeating Takamichinoko in our tournament opener. No longer Zack Sabre time, which is very upsetting to me. Uh, good opener. You know, it's it's an old Tiger Mask and an old... Uh, Takamichi Noku, but I thought they kicked off the tournament fairly well. You know, the crowd was into it. It didn't go too long, and it was it was a good teaser of, hey, we know these guys aren't really the top guys in the tournament, but they can still go, and it was a good preview of what, what was to come. So I didn't have an issue with it. Tiger Mask winning was maybe a little bit of a surprise, but, I mean, we both 
we both know neither of these guys are going to be up there in the end. So kind of these wins and losses against each other doesn't mean too much. Although they're doing a little bit with Tiger Mask, as we'll, we'll get into. But a good opener. Yeah, it's funny because everybody – there are people that get surprised every year when Tiger Mask, like, jumps off to, like, 2-0 and or 3-0. and And it's like – it happens a lot. I'm like, he – he wins non-important matches to kind of go on the early run as a former multi-time best super junior winner and a legend. And then he starts losing all the important matches. Like he will be destroyed by Shingo at some point, you know, and, you know, and stuff like that later on. So it's like, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good veterans match, you know? So that was a nice way to start it off. Uh, Teton from CMLO defeated, uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru from uh, Suzuki Gun. Uh, and uh, what were your thoughts on Teton here? Uh, yeah, uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of Teton. He wasn't bad. Uh, we'll get into someone who is god-awful here in a bit. Yes. But Teton was certainly more impressive than him. Uh, Kanemaru, not... Like, he's fine as well. Again, two guys who probably aren't going to make a whole lot of noise in the tournament. I preferred the Taka and Tiger Mask match, maybe because I'm just more familiar with both of those guys and and am still a mark for Taka Michinoku. So, but it, it was fine. I wouldn't say it was like a bad match or anything. It was, again, a fairly short match, and it went by pretty fast. So nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the opener a little better. I thought it was fine. Uh yeah, Teton's all right. I don't have a problem with him. He's he's pretty good. And Ken Kenamaru is he has points to where he looks good. You know, he's never really bad until he does like until they get into the Suzuki gun over bulking stuff, which they stayed away from. But yeah, yeah, fine match, no problem. We moved on. Things picked up here. Marty Skrull defeated Jonathan Gresham. I thought this was really good. They worked a a heavy ground-based grappling style match to play into both guys' submission games. Uh, just a, It was really smooth, a lot of slick counter work. Really good stuff. Uh, Marty, as the New Japan vet in this case, picks up the big win. Uh, but Gresham looked really good here. I love Marty's girl probably more than, than most. And I really like Jonathan Gresham. I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen as much of him as I would like, but he is certainly one of those guys where every time he wrestles, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a good match. Um, he, he's, I'm not going to put him on the level of, of a Zack Sabre Jr., but he's right there. Like He's probably a, a tier below where his work is so smooth and his style is so friendly that it's just very tough for him to have a bad match anyone who can work that very technical submission style and, and, and pull it off in a way that he does it it's just tough for those guys to have a bad match and Gresham can you know go out of his comfort zone as well much like a Zack Sabre Jr. so I thought this match was really good uh, for the Japan audience who probably haven't seen a whole lot of Jonathan Gresham, this was a, a good introduction for them. You know, they they know Skrull from from his uh, time there previously and, and on past tours and whatnot. So they're they're still into to Marty Skrull, even though he's not in Bullet Club anymore. Um, 
but yeah, this this is a good introduction for for newer fans. If you haven't seen a whole lot of Jonathan Gresham, like this guy is outstanding, and you should probably go out of your way. And I'm talking to myself here as well to to watch more of him. So a, a really good match. Not surprised. Skrull got the win. Um, they, he's probably going to do decent things in this tournament. Nothing too great. While Gresham, he's going to have good matches throughout. He's probably not going to win a whole 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 lot but he'll pick up some wins over even lesser known guys yeah i uh i love gresham i think the dude is awesome and uh yeah he's he's like zach saber dude where he can he can go out of his comfort zone but the other thing is too is he works that grappling submission style but it's not a style they don't allow it to be a style that's slow and boring because they they do a lot of change of pace things that work really well and it helps the match. And then I think the best thing about Marty here early on is he's not been relying on shtick as much. I mean, he's just going out there and having really good matches. And, you know, he's still Marty and he plays around a little bit. But there were points in New Japan where it was like 90% Marty shtick and it was like very little wrestling. And then you're like, dude, you're really good. You don't need to do that all the time. So I've enjoyed that. But, yeah, I thought it was a really good match to kick off his tournament. It was good quality-wise. And, uh, you know, again, Gresham, like you said, I agree. Probably not going to pick up a lot of wins, but we'll probably impress a lot of people. And speaking of impressing, uh, we had a match many of us were waiting for, Jeremy. Shingo versus Show. They beat the shit out of each other throughout the entire (laughs) talkie tour. It was awesome. And we got 24 minutes of it here. The show put up an awesome fight. And my only complaint was I had actually hoped that this match would be like the last match for Shingo in the tournament because I thought that they really could have teased like if he goes undefeated throughout the whole thing. I think they really could have teased the draw with show to play off of everything towards the end and then like give some drama who wins the block and all that stuff. But I mean, I thought this was fucking excellent. Shingo is awesome. Show is awesome. Show's going to be such a star, man. And Shingo already is a star 15 years after running rampant over Dragon Gate. And now he's, he's in New Japan. There's just so many awesome matches. He can have around. But I thought this was excellent. 24 minutes, Shingo wins. Show survives. Let me get the bad out of the way. Fuck shows music. I want my Rapungi 3K. I don't want this TJ Perkins video game ripoff nonsense. Listen, shows his own guy <laughs> best of the super juniors. He doesn't need the Rapongi 3K shit. The Rapongi 3K song is one of the best theme songs in wrestling. I don't care what anyone says. It's clear they have huge plans for show because like they are giving him like he's not wearing Rapongi tights. He's he's got his a new theme here. He he's going we'll we'll get into it later, but he went toe-to-toe with Shingo, who is yet to be defeated. He went toe-to-toe with Dragon Lee, who is the champion. They see a lot in this guy, and they should. He's awesome. This match ruled. I loved everything about this match. They built off of Everything they did on the tour, they finally, you know, show got his one-on-one shot. 
there were so many times where it looked like, oh, fuck, he's going to pull this off. And then Shingo would kick out and Shingo eventually ended up winning, which Shingo's probably running through this this entire block. And I mean, maybe he should. Uh, I agree with you that maybe you do this at the end and you can build even more drama to it. I think possibly their thinking was we had teased this for months on this tour uh, we need to just go ahead and do it now before, you know, show maybe takes a loss. I, I don't think Shingo was ever going to take a loss. Show was obviously not going to be undefeated as well. They're, they're building show kind of, he's going to end up winning a lot more on this tournament. He's, he's Owen two right now, but his two losses were to literally a guy who hasn't been penned and the champion. So those aren't bad losses by any stretch of the imagination. And he, he went toe-to-toe with, with both of those guys. So they're clearly kind of building, oh, he started from behind. Now he's going to work his way back up, get these big wins. Those, those matches are going to be good experience for him. Uh, they they see a lot in show. And again, they should. This guy is going to be potentially the ace of this division as early as next year and maybe by the end of this year. Yeah, it was just excellent. So I was, like I said, the uh, the placement of the match again. That that's like a very minor thing on my part. But I yeah, was so- more. I'm more concerned that this should have been the main event. I, I know Dragon Lee and Ishimori. They've got their history and everything, but like we just saw that match not too long ago. I I understand why that was the main event. I I think show show and Shingo should have been the main event on this show. Well, it was the people's main event, Jeremy. Let's just that is for that. sure. That's for sure. <laughs> but no, I, I I do agree. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And uh, Ishimori and Dragon Lee was the main event. Ishimori finally defeated Dragon Lee to to get some heat back after losing the title and then losing to him on the Don Taki tour. Uh, they had a great match. They had a lot to overcome, obviously, because Shingo and Show was just excellent. And um. You know, I thought, again, I thought this was great. Ishimori finally gets the win. Dragon Lee starts off in the hole. Ishimori can claim a title shot later on again. And, uh, yeah. So, um, again, I thought it was great and a um, very good way to close the show. Yeah, really, yeah. really good match. Uh, not not as good as, as Show and Shingo. But considering we, we just saw this not too long ago, they made this feel still fresh so credit to to both guys there i mean both guys are are really good they they've worked with each other plenty of times so they they're they know what they're gonna do they're very fluid with all their movements um ishimori winning is it gets his win back there i'm not the champion losing i i realize it's a tournament kind of setting uh so the champion can afford the these losses usually i feel like they happen a little bit later at least in the g1 like the champion typically isn't losing right away uh i this match may have been better served to be a little bit later on as well if ishimori was going to win i i'm never a huge fan of champions losing non-title matches i understand it more when it is a um a tournament like this because the champion just can't go undefeated every time. I think in this instance, it would have been better if Dragon Lee had picked up a couple of early victories and then lost because like he literally just beat this guy 
And then he wasn't like worn out from the tournament or anything. It's the first match of the tournament. And now Ishimori beats him. So it almost feels a little 50-50-ish to me. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, night one off to a good start. And uh, so we will move on to night number two. And we start off with uh, the replacements doing battle. And again, we talked about last week, Flip Gordon, uh, due to visa issues, could not go. So he was replaced by Dowkey, who everybody's calling Dookie for good reasons. And um, or actually, he was sorry, Ren Narita replaced him. Dowkey replaced Desperado, who unfortunately broke his jaw. So they faced off here. Uh, Dookie has basically taken Desperado's place. He is dollar store Desperado. And that may be giving him 90 cents too much credit. Defeated <laughs> Ren Narita here in the opener. He's basically part of Suzuki gun right now. And it was a match. Ren Narita was really good, but um, Dookie was Dookie. I, I didn't hate this match as much as the other match that we'll get into w- with him. I, I credit that to Ren Narita being really good already. Uh, I I told you, I love Ren Narita. I, I know everyone's high on Yumino. I, I always viewed you uh, Narita as kind of the, the more of the, the breakout of this young lion bunch. And it might end up being both of them. But I really like Ren Narita. And I think he was good in this match, as good as a young lion can be. And I think we're going to look back on this and be like, the best match Doki had was with fucking Ren Narita because I don't know if this guy's going to have too many more good matches. First off, if you have Tai Chi ringside and in your corner, it's already off to a bad start just because it's Tai Chi at ringside. Uh, And then the work just didn't follow. But if this was your first impression of the guy, which it was for me, I didn't think like, hey, this is a bad thing you know what i mean like it it didn't my first impression wasn't oh this guy's going to completely suck my first impression was hey that was a fine little match it was with a young lion so i can understand why it wasn't anything great i'll give him a chance for the next match and that was a mistake yeah for those of you that don't know a lot about uh dookie here he uh he's a japanese wrestler that uh moved to mexico basically embraced the lifestyle they like him there and he has pretty much worked for every shithole company in Mexico. He's worked for major companies too, but he's he's a guy that they like there. He helps the uh, Japanese guys when they come to Mexico. But uh, yeah, he's he's like the definition of indie sleaze. He's Mexican indie sleaze at that. So he's uh he's such a fucking just a dude that I don't want to watch. But like you said, he's yeah. This first match is like. I hadn't seen a lot of him. I've seen a couple matches. And like, I watched this one. I'm like, all right, he was okay. I'm like, as long as he has some okay matches, I'll be fine with him. And that didn't really happen on his second match, which we'll talk about later. But we'll move on to happier things. Robbie Eagles defeated Rocky Romero via submission. Really good match. Uh, Rocky, and we'll talk about him later on too. Rocky off to a, an 0 2 start overall, but he is having quality matches right now. This was a, a strong match from Rocky Romero, and Robbie Eagles is obviously really good. So, 
we'll get into yeah as you said we'll get into rocky again with his match with osprey which was fucking awesome but this match another good match um to to go on the tournament and you know a, a good good start for for the b block after the first match was was fine but this match really showed okay the these guys can have some bangers here uh yeah good good match i like rocky romero he's one of the more probably underrated and underappreciated performers of our time and and robbie eagles is really good so overall good stuff yeah i feel rocky really is underappreciated in a lot of ways because there are a lot of people that shit on him being in the tournament and i'm like why i'm like rocky is always solid to good you're gonna put him in there with a bunch of other guys that are motivated and it's like it's gonna be fine it's like and then he had a very good match here and we'll we will gush over Rocky later on. El Fantasmo in his tournament opener defeated Bandito. Uh, another good match. Not quite as good as Eagles and Romero, I thought, but a good match with Fantasmo getting on the board right away. Bandito seems like he's going to be in for a weird tournament because we view this guy as he should be one of the, the top guys in the tournament, but not off to a great start. And I realize his, his competition was was a little tough like phantasma was never going to to lose this match so they're not after the way they introduced him and everything um but we'll we'll talk about night four where maybe he could have gotten a win there um yeah a good match i didn't like it quite as much as as romero and, and eagles as well but i mean it's very nitpicky um phantasma he got his shine as you would expect again bandito I think we view him as a bigger deal than maybe New Japan sees him in this tournament. And so we're expecting more out of him than maybe we should in this instance, which I hate to say that, but I'm almost lowering my expectations for Bandito's run in this tournament and uh, just kind of his match quality based on the first couple of nights. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to win a lot either. Cause, yeah, it's his first tournament, and that's kind of what they do with a lot of guys, unless you're like El Fantasma, who they put a lot of hype into and stuff like that. But, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. Not not super impressed early on with the Bandito best of Super Junior matches, but uh, there's still a lot of tournament to go. We'll see what happens. Next up, Will Osprey defeated Bushi. Uh, they actually had a very good match. Bushi's really funny with me. He's one of those guys that's, He's a little hit and miss with me. He's he's kind of like Yo. Because, like, you look at Bushi and Shingo, and Shingo's obviously the fucking star. But Bushi's really good, and especially when he wants to be. And, again, you downplay a lot of the shtick. And, like, a lot of people just kind of look past him and stuff. But, uh, I thought he had a really good match with Osprey here, and uh, I was very enjoyable. Good pacing, and everything worked out well, and Will's on the board early. Osprey is Osprey. He's he's rarely going to do wrong. Bushi is fine. Like I, I he's good. He's not bad. Um, I, I don't have like a huge investment into Bushi, and I think that's sort of my my issue with any of his matches. Is I just view him as kind of a a good worker, but no one I'm like super excited to to really watch. Uh, this match was good. I wouldn't say it was great or anything um and yeah osprey wins he's he's gonna be in for a huge tournament so yeah and then we're gonna move on to the main event of night two you know 90 percent of the year 
Ryusuke Taguchi is, he's the ass, man. He plays around with his rugby helmet. He works all these multi-man tags. He does his wacky dance and calls the plays. And then Best of Super Juniors rolls around. And we get Big Match Gooch. And people always, again, it's like the Rocky Rivera thing. People are like, why is Taguchi still in Best of the Super Juniors? Well, because every year Taguchi has a few bangers. And reminds everybody that when he wants to be, still a great performer. He can, he's one of those guys, he's getting older. He's overdoing all the other shit he does. And he's just at the point that he can't work that level all year long. So he does the ass stuff. People love him. And then he comes to Best of Super Juniors. And people like me who are waiting for it get the big match gauge. So he defeats Yo here in his tournament opener. I thought uh, not not on the level of Shingo and Show, but I thought it was a great match, probably on the level of uh, Ishimori and Lee from Night One. Great stuff. I really like this match, and I'm not, as you said, like I Taguchi is usually just kind of that fun character. He's the ass man, as you said, and like nothing. Nothing where I'm super excited. Like, I, I never think much of him as a worker throughout the year. And then Best of Super Junior rolls around and he makes everyone remember that, hey, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, I really, really like this match. And my expectations were low because of just how I feel about Taguchi for 90% of the year. And Yo, Yo isn't positioned as the same player that Sho is. But... I, I like I enjoy Rapongi 3K just as a tag team on the whole, so I'm gonna be excited for for either one of their matches. And Yo really stepped up here and, and hung with Taguchi, and, and Taguchi elevated his game. So I I really like this match, and Taguchi seems like he's gonna at least go on a nice run to start. And Yo Yo's probably gonna he's not gonna be as prominent as Show is, but he's as we saw on night four, like he's going to win matches that maybe you don't expect him to win. So uh, a good start for both of these guys. Yeah. And uh, I, I always like when we get big match Gooch because it's, it's always great seeing a guy that a lot of people want to shit on for most of the year because he takes it easy and he does the comedy stuff. And I I know the comedy stuff is very subjective, subjective and it's not everybody's cup of tea. I get that. But I mean, I, I I always crack up in the tag matches. I, I I love when he starts calling the plays. He does his wacky little dance, and I mean the crowd loves it, and it's it's a fun gimmick for him. So I dig it. But yeah, um, great stuff there. Yo looked good, obviously as you said, and um, yeah, and I I really enjoy this year again how they've they've kind of tried to separate Yo and Show because they're in this individual tournament. You know, they each have their own style and new tights. You know. Shows not using the Rapongi music, stuff like that. I think those are nice little changes to give them a little bit of identity because they are going to eventually break up. And it's, you know, hey, it's going to happen, brother. I'm sorry. And uh, I still have a feeling I'm going to throw it out there. I said it during the G1. I still think that when they break up, it will be yo turning on show. And I think Yo will be the little douchebag heel. That's what I'm I, I don't. I don't know. It could just be. 
I almost think they might just be better off like, hey, let's just kind of go our separate ways. Like, it doesn't need to be this big turn. But if they want to rebrand one of them, and I I feel like it would probably be Yo as well because they're really establishing show, uh, then, yeah, a turn will will be kind of necessary because you're always going to link the two together. So if they want to break that link a little bit, then a rebrand of Yo with a, a new name and a kind of a new style would work. But if you want to kind of always have that link, then just, you know, just have the guys just go their separate ways and kind of almost Abushi and Omega like where there was no big turn or anything. They just drifted apart. Well, they didn't really have time to book the turn, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah he's Yo's going to kick Rocky in his nuts and beat the shit out of the show. And that's how it's going to happen. I'm telling you. I feel it. All right. moving, moving on to night three, back to A block action. I'll try to keep my composure. 90210 just came on the background. <laughs> Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Hello, honey. But uh, night three started off. Jonathan Gresham getting on the board, defeating Takamichi Noku. Um, this, this I thought was good because. You know, Taka is obviously not a high flyer like he was back in the day. He's he's an older dude now. He likes to dirty it up and grapple on the ground. And that's, uh, unfortunately for him, that's uh, Gresham's wheelhouse. And Gresham got on the board again. Good match, just under 10 minutes. I liked it. And the Gresh is awesome. Your thoughts? Again, good match. Taka, two good matches right out of the gate. Gresham... Um, the the girl match was better than this one, but that's to be expected. And but still, still a good match and a good way to to kick off the night. Yeah, Gresham gets a victory. Taka clearly here just to kind of put guys over. And Gresham, he's he's going to be kind of in the in the middle of the pack throughout. So, but uh, but a good good win for Gresham and a good match overall, especially given the time. Yep. Next up, Tiger Mask defeated uh, Kenamaru. Uh, they carried over. The one thing I did like is they're 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 carrying things over, and they do this really well. Um, injuries and stuff from the previous night, like Gresham came up with his fingers taped up from Marty doing the uh, finger snap spot on night one, and in this match, Tiger Mask heavily selling the the knee that was injured when he came into the tournament, which uh, you know conveniently enough, Taka worked over, fellow Suzuki Gun member, trying to give. Kanemaru a chance to get a win here, but Tiger Mask overcame the odds, and uh, overall thought they had a good veterans match. They had a, a good layout with Kanemaru attacking the knee and everything, and uh, yeah, just it worked out really well, and Tiger Mask is 2-0, and and off to that early start. That's one That's thing one. that New Japan really does well, not, not just in this tournament but overall um throughout their tours and whatnot is kind of accumulative damage where guys aren't just you know if they get their leg attacked on night one all right they all they're on the wrestling attack team match on night two but then they come back night three and they're just like fully healthy like that stuff kind of carries over like that's how you can have your champion kind of lose in this stuff is if he had three really hard matches to kick off the tournament and his fourth competitor kind of had easier matches. Yeah. It would make sense that the, and they're, you know, the fourth competitor is a, is a good worker or a, viewed as a top guy or something like that. You can feasibly 
quantify, I don't even know if it's the right term, but you can feasibly say that the the guy, the champion, can lose on that fourth match because he got the shit beat out of him in those first three matches while his opponent in the fourth match was a little bit more rested. So that's something New Japan does really well with with Best of Super Juniors and, and, and the G1. Uh, and it, it showed here, yeah, as you said, Gresham's fingers being taped up, um, Tiger Mask with it, with his knee. So that stuff, it all typically plays out, plays off in the end. Um, and yeah, Tiger Mask overcame. He won. He's off to a good start. I imagine he'll start to fall back when he wrestles uh, other guys, but he, he can afford to beat Kenamaru and, and Taka. Like, they're not doing anything in this tournament. Exactly. And then we moved on to the man of the year right now, Shingo defeating Teton in just over 10 minutes. Uh, good match. Uh, Teton was fun here, but uh, he may be a good brother, but he was not ready for Shingo. He got destroyed. Uh, much, I mean, not much needed, but a, a performance I think Shingo needed in this match. It didn't need to go overly long. It should have been, all right, we'll give Teton a little bit, but for the most part, Shingo is just going to destroy him. And and that's what happened. It didn't need to be like with Shingo through two matches. They're booking him very well. The the show match should have been long with some hope spots, some some uh, really strong near falls because you're building show. You've really built that that feud through the tour. And then, but otherwise, Shingo should be portrayed as really a killer in this tournament. And so when you've got a guy like Teton who can afford to get killed, that's what should happen. When when Shingo wrestles Tiger Mask or Taka or Kanemaru, it should be the same story, especially in the case of like Tiger Mask. Like if you're going to do a cumulative damage stuff, like Shingo should just go in there and rip his fucking leg off in the first five minutes. Um, so through two matches, I really like what they're doing with Shingo. And yeah, he's probably going to run through this whole block. Yeah, and I agree. There's there are matches for him that do not need to be long at all. They just need to be, you know, give the guy a couple hope spots, largely let him run through. Yeah, it's again it, keeping it simple. It's especially when you have a guy like Shingo who has been presented so well, has a great backstory that people already know about in terms of his career. Comes in with Lij, he's undefe- <clears throat> undefeated so far. And you just let him do his thing. It's not really hard. And they're doing it so far. And like you said, the show match needed to be long and competitive because they had built something. But uh, Teton is just Teton. So he can lose quickly and there's no problem. I'm fine with that. Then we move on to what ended up being just a, a really fucking weird match. Taiji Ishimori defeated Marty Skrull. I, I liked a lot of what they were trying to do here. They they were working a match that kind of forced Ishimori to work out of his comfort zone. Marty was working again. More straightforward, less shtick. But Ishimori felt really off during the match. He had a couple of slips. He was going for either a tombstone or that like Dodon lung blower thing to where he about dropped Marty on his head. And it just it, he felt really off. The crowd didn't really feel into it. And I, I think it was good overall, but it just it went off the rails really weird. I, just, I almost don't know how to explain it. I didn't like this match. Yeah, I, I, fair enough. It's, 
it's tough to say it's bad because the the majority of the match was like the work was was fine it, it's it's very much a almost a Randy Orton-esque match and that's not typically a compliment where there's nothing wrong with the work but there's just something about it that doesn't hook you in the way you want to be hooked in and, and that was this match for me it felt boring it f- definitely felt long like it, it went like 25 minutes and it, it felt even longer than that to me um i guess it went 22 minutes uh but it, it, again it felt like it went much longer yeah they ishimori the tombstone spot where he nearly killed uh skrull wasn't good i i don't know if it was ishimori if it was skrull if they just they just didn't mix well um if one of them just had an off night it I just could not get into this match the way that I was expecting to because, I mean, I like both of these guys. I was expecting a really good match. When you put Ishimori and Marty Skrull together, you should be getting a really good match. It's not even that this I didn't like this match because it failed to live up to my expectations. I just didn't like this match because I nothing really hooked me in this match. It just felt long and boring to me and I would just wanted it to end. And then the, the messing up a couple of things certainly didn't help. But even before that, I didn't enjoy the, the work prior to that. Like the crowd didn't even seem that into it. It was just, I don't know. I, it was really fucking weird. It, yeah. It's almost the I, best thing to say about it. Yeah, it was it was definitely something about this felt off and I don't know what it was, but it, it definitely did not do anything for me. So I won't say like this was the worst match ever or anything like that. It was a no, that's fine, the next night. Yeah. It was a fine match. It just did not do anything for me. Yeah. It was just, it was so fucking weird, but yeah, it was uh so we move on to the main event. Dragon Lee defeated Show. They another long match for Show, twenty-seven minutes. Uh, took the champion to the limit, and again, he's zero and two in the tournament, but he's clearly being positioned as a major star. Taking Shingo to twenty-five minutes to his limit, taking the champion to his limit, twenty-seven minutes. He looked great here again. Um, Kind of, it was a match that took Dragon Lee kind of out of his comfort zone, limited his flying a bit, uh, hard hitting, more submission based, and really, really great stuff. And uh, yeah, so far through two nights or the you know two nights of block action, uh, Show is the MVP of this tournament right now. Another I- strong performance from from Show, as you said, he's he's zero and two, but. He lost to Shingo and Dragon Lee. Those are two losses that anyone can afford. And it's always the manner in how you lose. It never felt like he was below these guys. He was right on par with them. It's just one hasn't lost. The other is the champion. Show has been primarily a uh, tag team guy throughout his career. So it would make sense that he would lose to these guys. But the fact that he hung right there with both of them gives you hope for what's to come with show. So they're doing everything right with Shingo. I feel like I feel like they're doing everything right with show. Dragon Lee needed this win after the Ishimori loss, which I talked about in my question, kind of their order of things there. 
Um, he wasn't going to go 0-2 because then you really don't make your champion look as good as he, he needs to. Uh, so a good rebound win for, for Dragon Lee where he gets pushed to a limit by by show. And yeah, I like what they're doing with, with show and Shingo in this block. Yeah, they're doing really good stuff with those guys. I will definitely agree. They're enjoying it. We move on to night four. Robbie Eagles defeats young Ren Narita in the opener. And by the way, I figured out the reason why Ren Narita doesn't get as much push as Umino. It's the hair, brother. Let's face yeah. it. Ren Narita has a shitty haircut. Umino has beautiful flowing locks, my friend. Fair enough. Has, I mean, it's, it's a Tanahashi vibe. Yeah, I was about to say, hair game is pretty important in New Japan. So That's right. It could be, could be right there. <laughs> So we just need a we just need to get Renderita stylist, and I think his perception will change. But uh, yeah, Robbie Eagles defeated Renderita. Good match again from Eagles. Good effort again from Narita. He's just he's so great. The young lines like him and Umino that when they do this closing stretches to where they start pulling out cradles out of their asses and getting those like near falls and stuff, and then like the crowd actually fucking believes that these guys are gonna win. When in reality, we know he pretty much has no chance to win. But it works, and it's just really great stuff. And, uh, yeah, Renderita looking good. It's a, Again, it's a big opportunity for him to to really impress here, um, unfortunately, because of no foot Gordon. But it's a big, big thing for Renderita. It's like a couple years ago when uh, David Finley ended up getting in the tournament. And the thing is, though, to remember with that, there is a specific reason I bring this up. David Finley did pick up a win that year in the best of super juniors beating Gator. So while it's unlikely that young Ren Narita wins a match, it would not be impossible for him to pick up one win. We'll see what happens, but yeah, he looks really good. This tournament is going to be great for him in terms of just continuing his growth. And yeah, Robbie Eagles looked good here too. Picked up the win. Uh, good match. They should put the title on Ren Narita. He's had two good matches for the tournament. It's tough when like, the young Lions can only do so much. So in a sense, that almost makes it easier because they're not going to go too far out of their comfort zone. Um, hold on, I have to sneeze. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, near fall. So they're not going to go too far out of their comfort zone, um, which can make things easier in that sense. Like they're not going to try anything too crazy. They're going to just kind of keep it paint by numbers. So the other guy who can do more can just kind of work around that. And I feel like that's what we're seeing from from Ren Narita in this tournament so far. You wouldn't call the matches he's had with, with Doku, Doki and uh, Robbie Eagles like classics or anything like that but they've been very solid short matches to where you're also like hey if you got 10 minutes like check out these matches you're not just going to completely skip over them so i i yeah rinderita is not going to win much maybe maybe he beats um i don't know looking at this list like he lost a doki so this is a tough bracket to where Maybe the only one that's jumping out to me is possibly Taguchi later on if they just want to kind of have a, a surprise element. I don't know. 
like I'm not sure where Taguchi is going to stand, and I haven't looked at the full schedule, or I don't know the full schedule off the top of my head, so I don't even know when Ren Narita is going to face Taguchi. But if you're losing to Eagles and Doki, there just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of wins here for him. Um, but I think he's going to have good matches with everybody where you're just like, hey, that was a solid match. You, know, you should watch it. Um, and he's going to be the champion this time next year. One thing is Renderit is not having a bad match. We know that. Dude's no. really solid. He's a, he always gets the crowd into the end of this match. And yeah, so it's uh, again. This I think it's going to be really important tournament for him to to grow as a performer. And again, it sucks for Flip, but it's really great for Ren Narita, who is obviously along with Umino, a guy that they have a ton of future plans for. So you know, it works out at least well for the company and for young Ren Narita. So it's good in that aspect. Moving on, Yo picked up his first win, defeating Bandito, and. That kind of goes into what Jeremy was saying. It looks like Bandito's in store for kind of a weird tournament. Uh, I thought it was a very good match, but uh, yeah, it's just um, never, it never felt like it was going to get great, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, quality stuff, and Yo picked up a important win, so he's on the board. Yeah, everyone's talking about show. How many wins does show have? None. <laughs> My boy Yo's got the victories here. Um yeah, as, as I said with Bandito, I, my expectations have been lowered with him after the first two nights. Uh, when he faces somebody like Osprey, I mean, we, we saw Osprey and Bandito at, at WrestleMania weekend. We know, and that's a match that's going to get time. He's faced two guys to where he hasn't been able to to get a whole lot of time out of. Like Osprey, that's a guy you're, you're getting time against. Even potentially to Gucci, like that's probably a guy. I guess we probably should have expected a little bit of more time out of the the Phantasmo match. Um, but the Osprey match is, is definitely going to be like a, potentially a, another classic from those two. But yeah, this match was good. Nothing wrong with it. it just I Bandito, my expectations have, have been lowered with him in this tournament. I just don't know. I, I don't think they view him as as highly as a lot of us view him and there's nothing wrong with that he's not a new japan guy they shouldn't be putting like too much stock into him he's not sticking around after this tournament um and, and maybe he's in the wrong bracket like you look at this bracket and aside from osprey like this bracket if we're being honest is a little bit weak like phantasmo they have high hopes for but he's not established you look at the other bracket like they're really pushing show there's obviously shingo uh Skrull's a former champion. Um Ishimura is a former champion. Dragon Lee is the champion. So you've got kind of more top end talent on the other bracket. Whereas this bracket, it's it's Osprey and some other guys who have just kind of always been and like Taguchi's a veteran and a former champion as well. But it, it's just other guys who have just kind of been around. Um so it's a weird bracket overall, and maybe that's part of the reason why lowering the expectations for Bandito should be there. This maybe just isn't a bracket for him where he's going to get these long matches to shine. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, uh, so and you brought up El Fantasma a moment ago. El Fantasma defeated Bushi to stay undefeated. Uh, again, good match here. Um, Bushi's working hard so far. Fantasma is looking good, and like you said. 
They seem to have big plans for him early on. It'll be interesting because he is facing Robbie Eagles here coming up. So the Bullet Club lads will clash, and they are both 2-0 and right now. Another fine match, Phantasmo. He's he's gonna be pushed. He's gonna be right there at the the very end. Again, Bushi, not a guy that does a whole lot for me. Too short to really mean anything too much. But Phantasmo gets the win. He shines once once again, and that's what they should be doing with him. And then we move on to something which was fucking great: Will Osprey defeating Rocky Romero. They went over 25 minutes. Uh, I really liked this. I saw people kind of bitching about it, that it was too long and all this. But first of all, Will's a guy that's going to get longer matches in the co-main and main event spot. Second of all, it was a great story. It was the KG veteran entering the tournament again after a couple years off, looking for one last run of glory against the rising star that's in his own faction. You know, and Rocky was basically trying to show that the old Black Tiger still had some claws. Put on a spectacular fucking performance. Will Ospreay was great here. Uh, Just everything worked really well. I thought the drama was great. I thought the near falls were great. I thought the fans were into it. Um, And just for those of you that were shitting on Rocky being in the tournament, fuck off. The dude's 2-0 in terms of delivering very good to great matches already. And he's great, and he has he has a place in this tournament. So fuck off. Yeah, I I really love this match. I love the commentary on this match too, because Caprice Coleman and Kevin Kelly were really into this with the their kind of freakouts and everything. Yeah, uh, with the with the near falls, and I thought that added a lot to it like they they felt very invested in this match and that's always a good thing when your commentators don't it's feel amazing, like robots yeah, yeah. isn't but, that amazing how that works jeremy yeah when your commentators just don't feel like they're robots just spouting catchphrases and and buzzwords and and whatever like when there's actual emotion into the the matches and not not saying they're going off script I, they probably don't have a script but just the real human emotion into these wrestling matches like it adds a lot to it um that's why i have my gripes with mauro Ronaldo. that's why he's very good at what he does though because during those big moments he really amps up the emotion he can knock it off with all the pop culture references but when it comes to calling those big moments and conveying that emotion to the audience he's really really good at that and kevin kelly and caprice coleman were really really good at that in this match uh the match told a great story i don't know why anyone complained that it was too long it did not feel like 25 minutes like this match felt shorter than Ishimori and Marty Skrull to me, and this match was three minutes longer than that. This flew by for me. I thought it was excellent. Um, Romero really stepped up his game. As I said, he's one of the more underappreciated stars in our time, and and Osprey is, is fucking Osprey. The guy, if, if he's in the main event, or the co-main event, or really anywhere on the card, and he gets the proper time, he's always going to have a just an excellent match. This was no exception. And Osprey's probably going to run through this tournament, um, or through this block, because I don't view this block as, as being as strong as the A block. Romero tested him. That's good. This is a thing where... 
you get tested on this night. I don't know what his next match is, but if he gets tested there, then maybe there's a surprise upset in his fourth match because he had two tough matches where maybe you wouldn't expect him to have that tough match against Rocky Romero. But he did, and that that accumulation and that fatigue starts to set in. So, yeah, this match ruled. And I also think something that a lot of people are forgetting is it makes perfect sense for Rocky to take him to the limit because they have number one, they've done a lot of, they've spent a lot of time in investing in the fact that Rocky is essentially a new Japan pro wrestling junior heavyweight legend because of all the time he's held the tag titles. He's led three K to the titles. And then the, on top of that, you have the fact that they are chaos stable members. So who would know Will Ospreay better than Rocky Romero, one of the senior members of Chaos? So it all makes sense. Uh, you don't have to think that hard about it. It's not like an overly complicated story. Yeah, Rocky was great here, and you did bring up, I was going to save it for the end, but you brought up Caprice Coleman, who uh, and ends up as a surprise commentator on this tour, and uh, Caprice has actually done a really, really good job so far. I have really enjoyed his work so far. I think he's honestly done better here with Kevin Kelly than he does in Ring of Honor when they have a volunteer. I just, I think he's, I don't know if it's just because it's a fresh environment or he's just that excited. But like you said, yeah, he's brought a lot to some of these matches. I've really enjoyed his stuff. Uh, just like, I, I crack up every time he marks out at the, uh, that they uh, talk a theme so they get a talk is coming and then he's like did he say that and then <laughs> said something like they used to be a hundred dollar fine ring of honor and Chris like it's two now <laughs> 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 yeah I mean they're, they're, they have a good play with each other it's fun commentary like you said they're invested into it and it's just yeah it's it's been good so Thumbs up to Caprice Coleman, man, because I've been a critic of his a lot of times, and I think he's been problematic at times, just not being that good, but he's been really good from far away, too. Yeah, I, I guess it would it would probably be the, the fresh environment. I It feels like he's, like, we know who Caprice Coleman is. It feels like he's kind of calling it as a fan, and, and, and this, like, Kevin Kelly is such a professional to where... It kind of works here. Don Callis could give off similar vibes when, when he was there, especially when it came to Bullet Club and Kenny and, and all that stuff. Like, we knew he had allegiances there. Um, and and Caprice Coleman almost feels a little bit similar, but more to the fan, just kind of like, I'm really excited about this match. I'm really invested into this match, which I don't think in this instance there's anything wrong with because – because when you do have a guy like Kevin Kelly, it works. Now, if you didn't have someone as good as Kevin Kelly beside you and you just had someone kind of more lost, like let's say Jim Ross is beside you and then the other guy comes off as a fan, then it probably doesn't work as well. Uh, so I think that's a credit to to Kevin Kelly as well. And it's a, you know, it, it's a different approach for Caprice Coleman to where it's nice to hear that enthusiasm and that emotion in wrestling like there, there's just, there's nothing wrong with conveying that enthusiasm and emotion and it's not like caprice coleman is just like super mark in the booth or anything he he knows his history he has ties with some of these guys um but that's how he can come across and i, I think it works in this setting 
Yeah, and I, I, I do. I agree. He's a, but yeah, Caprice has been good. And that's a, it's always nice to be able to praise commentary because I feel like I end up shitting on commentary so much at times. And it's not New Japan, but like overall wrestling commentary can be really bad sometimes, especially WWE. And like I said, the robotic nature and just the, uh, everything is a fucking branded catchphrase. That shit just annoys me. So, but yeah, uh, really good stuff here. And you brought up Jim Ross. That is one thing I am not looking forward to with AEW. I I don't know how to feel about Jim Ross and AEW. One, he hasn't been good for a long time. He clearly didn't do his research on the New Japan product. And like, if he's not going to do his research, he's going to suck. And he sucked. AEW, I think, will be a little bit better. I... I think he's gonna like he's invested in this promotion he clearly wasn't invested in new japan i think he viewed that more as hey this is just a job to me i'm getting paid this is nice they're letting me do commentary which is what i want to do in wwe but wwe won't let me do it so i'll just kind of show up collect my paycheck punch in punch out uh aew is different where he has a, a bigger role in the company i would hope that there is some investment into it and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, despite the fact that he's been terrible for years. I hope he doesn't suck because I have to watch it obviously, (laughs) but I'm not holding up hope, but speaking of things that suck, let's talk about this main event. Yeah. I like how we just went on two different tangents that we were I mean, the Jim Ross thing probably wasn't even relevant. It wasn't relevant. And Caprice Coleman, you said you were going to save it till the end. We were just trying to delay the fucking review of this match is all we were doing. (laughs) Yes, the main event of the show was our boy Big Match Gooch, who tried his absolute best here, defeating Dookie in 21 minutes and a half. It felt like about 21 hours. Uh, the Gooch won via submission with the ankle lock. And this match sucked. It was bad. It was bad before the useless run-in. The first eight or nine minutes were lifeless. The crowd was dead. Taguchi was trying really hard, but uh, again, Dalkey was just being Dollar Tree, Desperado. Tai Chi got involved. And I just... It just was not good by any stretch of the imagination. It has nothing to do with just heel shenanigans. Because, I mean, while they didn't help, the match was bad long before the heel shenanigans. I mean, the only thing that was good is the fact that Taguchi won, and then at the end, Taichi tried to get involved, and the Young Lions cut him off. That's it. And then it ended. Three things. I'm sorry. Taguchi... Taguchi Taguchi was was fine I don't blame him for this match at all Uh, again Tai Chi being in ringside is going to immediately hurt the match Tai Chi actually getting involved is going to hurt the match even more Uh, this match wasn't good I I really feel bad for Taguchi because we've seen this guy step up we we know what he can do and he uh, was put in a position to fail with the with Doki here. So yeah, not not a whole lot to say. I I hope I don't know what their plans were for for Doki moving forward because he was 
a replacement of El Desperado, and I, I don't imagine Desperado was going to get a whole lot of wins. Maybe Flip Gordon was supposed to get more wins than... I mean, Flip Gordon was definitely going to get more wins than, than Ren Narita, so maybe they thought, okay, Doki can kind of get those wins that, that Flip was getting. They're trying to portray him as something, like the, the whole background story with... You know, oh, he's he's living on the streets. You know, he's got nothing to go back to. This is his his moment. This is his big shot. Uh, tai Chi trained him. He's this killer. He's this assassin that Tai Chi's bringing in and everything. Like they're trying to build him up. I think after this match, if he was supposed to have any wins, give all those wins to my man Rin Narita because this guy sucks. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, dispute that at all because Rin Narita is actually you know good. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that closes out the night, and uh, unfortunately, that was the worst match of the tournament for me. Just so bad. It, it was everything I pretty much hate about pro wrestling, especially in big matches. Uh, to close this out, I got an email. It was kind of interesting, and I, I, I like when I get these. Uh, I had somebody ask me, Larry, if you could book uh, a WWE G1 field for the men and women, who would you put in? Now, obviously, I would have no faith in WWE to run a G1-style tournament. I, not, not due to talent, but due to the fact that I don't think that they could lay it out and stick to it. But I was... Uh, They'd have a wild, wild card in the tournament. So yeah. <laughs> somebody wild would just, card entrance. Yeah, somebody would just replace somebody, and uh, uh, it would be a mess. NXT could book it. I have faith in Papa Paul to put it together. Yeah. But I sat there and I thought about it, and I had a little bit of time last night. So I went ahead and threw blocks together for the men and women using the main roster NXT and NXT UK. So I'll throw these out there, and you guys can fantasy book all you want. Maybe somebody can eat, eat, eat what the hell is it, EWR or whatever the shit is? Yeah, EWR, TEW. Okay. I, can, I can never remember. I get it all mixed up. But somebody oh, can simulate the tournament for me. But uh, anyway, block A for the women, I will go. Charlotte, Oscar, Io Shirai, Bailey, Ember Moon, Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray, Jazzy Gabbard, Shayna Baylor, and Mickey James. And then in block B, I will do Becky Lynch, Kyrie Zane, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, Nikki Cross, Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, Piper Nevin, Naomi, and Ruby Ryan. So that would be your two blocks of 10 for the. The uh, as I, I think it was Pro Wrestling Eve did it last year, they called it the She One. <laughs> that was a clever name, I will give them that. And uh, but yeah, that's that's what I would do. And uh, then for the men, I would do Block A, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Walter, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Ricochet, Rusev, Finn Balor, and Ollie. And then in Block Two, I will go with AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Pete Dunne. Johnny Gargano, Matt Riddle, Kyle O'Reilly, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Andrade, and Buddy Murphy. And yes, I did not book uh, Kofi Kingston, The Miz, Roman Reigns, because I'm trying to book the best matches I possibly can. You don't have big match Roman in there. Um, You mean mean mild WrestleMania match Roman? Oh, come (laughs) on. Give him a break. Uh... The the lack of Kofi Kingston, I I would 
no knock on Buddy Murphy. That guy has been great and has really stepped up. I like you got you got to replace Kofi Kingston. You got to re- you got to put Kofi in there over Buddy Murphy. Like it's not the coat. Like all right, if you're gonna say Roman is not if he's medium match Roman or whatever, like Kofi is really fucking good, and you put him in this style of tournament, he'll probably be even better. I'm taking out Buddy Murphy. I'm, I'm putting in Kofi Kingston, and on the the women's side, I'm taking out. We'll say, we'll say Jazzy Gabbard, um, and I'm putting in Dana Brooke. Okay, that's just a horrible decision. <laughs> but now I, I understand your point with Kofi, but I, I'm looking to put on excellent and great matches, and I think Buddy is just a higher level overall performer again kofi is a great story and he wouldn't be bad by any means but i just uh i think buddy murphy is designed for something like g1 just going out and having great matches with different dudes so but i mean fair point on kofi i'll give you that but yeah just that's what i would do but yeah i got that email i was like you know i was like and i I, cook and i did this i think a couple years ago but it was a one of those things he's like you look at the wwe roster i'm like it's insanely talented there's so many damn guys on there. It's just unfortunately that they're not booked that well. And that is not their fault. Yeah, I when you when you talked about the, the talent, like you even mentioned, like you left off Kofi, you left off Roman, who I still think it's a bad rap. You left off the Miz, who has really improved significantly. I left he off should, Cedric too. Yeah, I, I was Cedric. gonna I was gonna say Cedric. There there's a lot of talent that you just isn't in the this tournament and it and there's a lot of talent that you do have in this tournament um and it just goes to show like there is so much talent in WWE right now and you you list off these names and you're like none of these guys feel like a big deal the NXT guys feel way more protected and way more of a big deal than anybody on the WWE roster right now and and that's sort of an issue and like the nxt brand only has so much pull so it's not like they're even these these big stars they're these big stars to a smaller group of people uh yeah there's so much talent in wwe though and they they're producing the shows they're producing yeah it's definitely a shame so we'll uh wrap up on that though jeremy and uh Jeremy and I will be back on Monday because we will have to talk about the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and then we will have to preview Double or Nothing because it's a busy, busy month. And then we may fit in some uh, Best of Super Juniors discussion, too, because we got weekend shows of that. So, Jeremy, thank you for joining me as always. And also, Steve Cook and I should be recording another uh, kind of throwback podcast where we're going to look back on the infamous – Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff reboot of Monday Nitro from April of 2000. I've watched that show more times than I should watch any episode of Nitro. And fuck Steve Cook. (laughs) So that's the plan for the upcoming shows. Remember, you can follow the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and the 411 site. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you do have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Until next week, for Jeremy Lambert, I am Larry Zonka. Stay safe, everybody, and happy wrestling.